And she starts singing at the end too. I'm a muscle fan. She does. She does. That is the one line that she does get in that song, which is I am a muscle man or something along those lines. Fan. 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 That's what it is. I'm a muscle fan. No, no, no. I, I personally think that Janet's a muscle man. I see it. Why not? What's poppin' y'all? Welcome to Post Finale. I am your host, Ankit Madeira. I'm an actor and a musician who hasn't seen a lot of films. So to keep my friends happy and potentially provide a new perspective on some popular films, I am on a quest to change that. I am not on this quest alone, however. This week, I am once again joined by actor, director, set designer, Rocky Horror fanatic, someone who I am currently looking at through a video screen who has amazing Rocky Horror memorabilia behind her. Abby Wadups. Abby, welcome back. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm I'm well. How are you? I'm good. A lot has changed in the three minutes that it took us to refill our water. <laughs> so much. <laughs> so much. I mean, it's been a week for the listeners, but like, you know, so much has changed. You know, uh, I, I filled up water. I walked downstairs. I walked back upstairs. Whew, stairs. <laughs> yeah. But... Wonderful. So we're back. We're talking about Rocky Horror again, finishing up the film. But before we do, I have a question for you. And last time we learned how did you get into Rocky Horror and all of that. But this time, my question is, have you ever been in the Rocky Horror Picture Show? And if you have, who did you play? And if not, who would you like <laughs> to play? Yeah. So the, the, the movie is called Rocky Horror Picture Show, but the play right. is called The Rocky Horror Show. Mm-hmm. And um, when I was in college, I was in a production of it. I just played like, I mean, they were called Phantoms in the show, but they're Transylvanians, basically. So, okay. yes, I've been in it. You've been in it. If you were to be in it again and play one of like the lead roles, I would say, who would you want to play? Who would you ideally be playing? I say for movie purposes, I always enjoy dressing up as Columbia. Like when I go to the movie theater and stuff, I always enjoy dressing up as Columbia. But um, when I was younger, I couldn't do it anymore. But when I was younger, I wanted to play Janet. Fair. I mean, hey, I don't see why you can't play Janet. See, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Wonderful. I think for me, it would probably be now that I've seen the whole film. I don't know if I'd be able to pull off Frankenfurter. But I would love to give it a shot. But I think for me, it would either be Eddie or Riff Raff. Yeah, I'm not I'm not the biggest person. I mean, listeners, some of you might know what I look like. Some of you might not. But, uh, you know, soon you'll all know what I look like, because at this point I've probably announced it. But uh, we're switching and adding video for post finale soon but so soon everyone's gonna know what i look like but i'm not the most like you know buff human being in the world so i don't know if i would be a great rocky <laughs> i'm uh <laughs> I, I, it does take a special time to be rocky yeah i'm short and skinny <laughs> i'm athletic but i'm i'm skinny <laughs> so Wonderful. So jumping right back into Rocky Horror Picture Show, where we left off, we are at dinner. And oh boy, is it a dinner to be talked about. Everyone is at the dinner. Everyone's just looking dead straight ahead. And everyone is silent. 
Great vibes. We're, we're off to a fantastic start to this dinner. Riff Raff and Magenta bring in their food, and Riff Raff just drops it onto Frankenfurter's plate with absolutely no regard. And what he drops looks like a full cooked turkey. Is that a turkey? It looks like a turkey, and he also has a, it's like a giant, I don't know, meat something. It's, it's a giant meat bird, I think. So, and he has a, a turkey slicer, like from Thanksgiving, an electronic one. Sure. <laughs> I didn't know that that was a turkey slicer until you just said it was a turkey slicer. I thought it was a mini chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was a device that was popular in the 70s. It's an electric knife to, to slice turkey. Sure. I don't eat turkey, so... I don't either. <laughs> I don't eat meat, so... Uh, didn't, I don't either. <laughs> didn't know what that was. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess uh, it's not an electric chainsaw. Um, I, uh, I personally feel like it would be a lot funnier if it was a mini chainsaw. But would be. sadly, it isn't, apparently. Uh, it's a turkey. But this is also a play on... This is, even though it's presented as a birthday party for Rocky, it's also kind of presented as this awkward family meal for Thanksgiving might be. Oh, well, that's an American thing, but okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, am, I did grow up in America. I just now right. live in London. So, because, uh, yeah, I've lived here. Wow. Three years, almost to the day. I left America three years three ago years. today. Okay. Yay. It's September 20th on the day that we're recording this, if anyone is curious. So, September by Earth, Wind, and Fire now has a lovely new meaning for me. Because when they say, do you remember the 21st night of September? I'm like, I do! I moved to the UK, I knew nobody, it was COVID, and I couldn't fall uh -huh. asleep because jet lag. <laughs> Uh, yeah so anyway rocky horror picture shift that's what we're here to talk about so we hear nothing but the whirring of this little turkey slicer and we see uh magenta and riffraff pouring wine and rocky gets some and he smiles causing frankenfurter to become very aggressive in his whirring of the little turkey slicer and points it straight at him and I was like, this is just great for building tension. Yeah. The director, I feel like, did a fantastic job here to just build the tension in this scene before it blows. It's because Rocky is just created. He's like a brand new newborn. He doesn't know manners yet. And the manner that he's trying to get across is don't drink wine or eat before anyone else has their food and is ready to, you know, toast or cheers or whatever. Right. So, but I just thought it was also just a good way of you know, building tension, but yeah, teaching. I didn't realize that it was the teaching, but good on Frankenfurter for being like, hey, I need to teach you some manners. You have to wait until everyone has been served and then you can drink. That's, yeah, just just wait, like two minutes, maybe, at most. There, there are like six people at the table. You can wait. <laughs> so we then see that Frankenfurter is in this beautiful black lace outfit and Magenta is also in this beautiful black dress. Just two fantastic costumes in this scene, which I really like. And Riff Raff then spills some wine, which makes me sad because, you know, that's a waste of perfectly good wine. Well, I would like to think that it's perfectly good wine. For all I know, it's bagged wine and it's terrible, but still a waste of wine. That's, that's sad. 
So, Frankenfurter proposes a toast to absent friends. And I was like, that's ominous. I don't like that. And then he says, and Rocky. And I was slightly confused. We hear Magenta starting to slice the meat. Wasn't the meat already cut with the turkey slicer? That comes down to maybe there were two types of meat because it's not a bird that they're eating. But if it looks like one. But there was yeah. only one big chunk of meat that was dropped down. It is. Yes. Uh-huh. So, like, why is she cutting something that's already been cut? I don't remember. <laughs> maybe it's not finished being cut. He only cuts a few of the first slices. Okay. And then she finished cutting. It finishes the rest. Sure, we'll go with that. But it, it definitely confused me of why she was cutting again. Because I thought that, you know, Frankenfurter, as this host, decided to cut right cut the food for everybody. But no, he didn't finish it. He just introduced the whole cutting thing and then handed it off to someone else to finish. Fair. So he then pulls out a birthday hat and puts it on. And they start singing happy birthday to Rocky. But before they finish the last word... Frankenfurter says, shall we? And I just wrote, great way to avoid royalties. <laughs> because fun fact, if happy birthday, the one that goes happy birthday to you, and then so on and so forth, that ev almost everybody in the Western world knows, if you speak English, and if you don't speak English, I'm very sorry because this podcast is in English and I tend to speak quickly. So, yeah, sorry for that. But... If I'm not mistaken, every single time that that song is sung in a film or a TV show or a commercial, anything, as any song, royalties have to be paid. However, Happy Birthday is one of the interesting ones because I think it's like a certain amount of time that it has to be sung for. So it's either you have to finish the whole song or it's you played the song for this amount of time is the way that royalties kind of work. And because yeah. they technically didn't finish the song, they don't have to pay royalties on it. So I think it's, it's also to show the insincerity yeah. of Frank. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> 100%. 100% is to show the insincerity. But I was like, nah, this was a very specific choice of like... <laughs> We want to have this in there, but we also don't want to pay for it. <laughs> so, well done. Uh, they hit both things very well. They succeeded on both fronts. They didn't have to pay the royalties. They pulled off the insincerity of Frank. So, they all start eating, and they're eating in silence. And everyone's using a knife and fork except for Rocky, until Columbia shows him how to use a knife and fork. As you were saying, he was just born, so he doesn't know any better. That's not on him. And also, if you look at the table, it's something fun and interesting to take a close look at all of the silverware that's on the table because someone has like seven forks or seven knives or something. It's like that's fantastic. a ridiculous odd number of, uh, of utensils there. I love it. I love it. I would like to imagine, because I didn't take that close a look at the table, that yeah, do it when you watch it again. Yeah, I'd like to imagine that Brad is just sitting there with like seven spoons trying to cut his poor little meat with a spoon. <laughs> so, <laughs> just struggling over there, just being like, it won't cut, but I want to eat. <laughs> so, Dr. Everett Scott says, we came here to discuss Eddie. And I was like, no, 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 no. You came here to discuss Eddie. 
just get your facts right. That's all I'm saying. Like, you came here to discuss Eddie. Everyone else is here for a very different reason. So, Columbia exclaims at this, and is shut up by Frankenfurter and his little turkey slicer, which he uses kind of like as a... It's like a little device to just be like, be quiet. Uh, a threat. <laughs> That's what it's called, a threat. Uh, and Frankenfurter says, it's a tender subject. And I was like, lol, tender, like cut. That's a rather tasteless joke. Right? <laughs> like cut meat. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> uh, I laughed. I enjoyed that joke. I like dark humor. I was here for it. <laughs> so Columbia stands and leaves the room and slams the French double doors behind her. And then we hear a woman scream, oh no. It just said woman on the subtitles. It was Columbia. And yes. At that moment, Dr. Everett V. Scott just completely breaks the fourth wall, which I didn't think was capable of anyone other than the Cigar Man. I didn't know that anyone else was allowed to break the fourth wall. Frank does it during the time warp. He does a little smirk. Oh, does he? I might have missed that. I mean, I've, time warp's the one oh, thing yes. that I've seen. So, yes, like, a little smirk directly at the camera. Sure, sure. But it didn't... At least when... When that rolled around, I don't think it felt to me like he was breaking the fourth wall, if that makes sense. Like, he might have, but it didn't feel like he was intentionally breaking the fourth wall. Uh, whereas Dr. Everett V. Scott fully just broke the fourth wall and spoke to us. And he was like, I knew he was in a bad crowd, but it is worse than I imagined. And I was like, okay, I don't really know what's going on here. And Dr. Everett... V. Scott asks if it's aliens. Brad and Janet exclaim, but Dr. Frankenfurter says, go on to Dr. Scott. Or should I say Dr. Von Scott? Do you know where the Von comes from? Is that what the V stands for? Is that what we were saying? Yes, that is what the V stands for. And it's also to imply that he might have uh, something to do with German, like German or you know, Nazism or the science associated with that time period, that era. Okay. Sure. I mean, I don't know. This is the only time that he says Dr. Von Scott and it's never brought up again. So I don't feel like it's that important that we know what the V stands for. But I guess it's Von. Um, yeah. So I guess that now his full name is Dr. Everett Von Scott. I'm still going to use V, but... You know, so Brad starts to get defensive, but Dr. Everett V. Scott says, you know what? It's okay. Don't worry. It's all right. And then he starts to sing as we do in a musical. And he's yes. pretty much what he's saying is that from the day he was born, he was in trouble, a thorn in his mother's side. We also then get the cigar man starting to sing. And we learn that the person left the day she died I was slightly confused on who they were talking about, and then a little ways through the song I put together, they were talking about Eddie, but I was slightly confused for a moment. And Yeah, Eddie's childhood and his mother. Yeah, that's... Would have been Dr. Scott's sister. Sister, yes. So that's what we were talking about, and all he wanted was rock and roll porn and some other stuff. I got distracted after... Motorbike. Yeah, there we go. I wrote rock and roll porn, and then they moved too quickly for me to write down the rest of them. <laughs> so, he was a low-down, cheap punk, and... Yay, punk! Yeah. 
So pretty much we're just learning about Eddie and nobody really liked him apparently other than Columbia who has his face plastered all over her walls and it looks like a giant mural on one of her walls that's just larger than her. Yes. Obsessive. Columbia and Eddie are an item. Well, I mean, uh, they were. They were. She loved him. She loved him. And now Eddie's, you know, not around anymore. So, Eddie left a note, and he wrote it what it looked like blood? Uh, yes. Yeah, okay. He wrote this note out of blood, yeah. and what it says is, I'm out of my head. Oh, hurry, or I may be H-E-B. dead. Sorry? Head is spelled H-E-D. H-E-D. But then he spells dead. Then he spells dead correctly. Yeah. That's all something on it. It's patient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I'm out of my head, or, oh, hurry, or I may be dead. They mustn't carry out their evil deeds. Love, Eddie. I appreciate that even though he might be estranged from his uncle, he still says, love, Eddie. Oh, yes. Yes. Still kind soul deep down. So, it's very touching. They sing about a teddy bear a lot in the song that Eddie had that he didn't like. And it's cute. Because it rhymes with Eddie, Teddy. Eddie, Teddy. Yeah, that's how the teddy bear comes along. But it's cute that Dr. Everett V. Scott, his uncle, has the teddy bear that Eddie didn't like. I appreciated that. I appreciated the cuteness. I was like, I'm here for it. Let's go. And (laughs) Dr. Everett V. Scott just seems like a very loving uncle, is all I had to say on that. Frankenfurter stands up and he pulls the sheet off the table along with the plates and everything. Not a magician, I see. Not very good at, you know, the swift pull of the tablecloth. But it turns out we've been eating on a table that is a coffin and has Eddie's dead and mangled body inside of it. Mostly his intestines and heart and things like that. Yeah, it's been picked apart. It, it, it's quite disgusting, and yeah, Janet is when oh. when the meat is plopped down on the table. Some of the audience participation alludes to the whole um, a toast to cannibalism, and also when the meat's plopped down, they say, "Eddie, get your ass off the table." Hey, maybe that's what they're eating. It is. <laughs> that's what they're. That's what they're alluding to. Yes. Wait, they're they're alluding that the meat is Eddie's ass. Yes, it's it's Eddie. They're eating Eddie. Oh, yes. okay. Well, this has taken a turn, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to need like five minutes. That's to why Columbia goes and screams, because Frank makes that, you know, rather tasteless joke about Tenderness. another slice anyone right after talking about Eddie. And everyone starts to put their, you know, forks and glasses down because they realize what they're eating. And that's why Columbia goes into another room and yells. Oh, Okay. And like everyone gets it, everyone stops eating except for Rocky because he doesn't know any better and he doesn't care. He doesn't know. Well, that's taken a turn that I didn't expect. Yeah. Sorry to ruin that for you. I mean, no, I I love the information, but like, huh. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Rewatch it. And there, there's also audience, uh, lots of audience participation in between those lines. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will, like I said, I will definitely be trying to go. And at this point, ladies and gentlemen, because this episode comes out 
on November 1st, so the day after Halloween. Uh, the calendar was mean and didn't let October 31st land on a Wednesday. But otherwise it would have lined up perfectly. But no, uh, we're one day behind. But at this point, if I was able to go, I have already If you think been... about it, if you think about it, Rocky Horror the movie has always started at midnight in the movie theater. And so if they're doing a Halloween showing at midnight, it's technically the first of November. There we go. Wait, but wouldn't that be like... It runs until 2 o'clock in the morning. Sure, sure. Yeah, I see that. Okay. So, I may still be watching this movie when this episode comes out the same day, for all we know. Depends on what I'm doing. They don't just do it on the weekends. Yeah, it depends on what I'm doing in a month and a few days. I, I, I don't know what I'm doing in a month and a few days. I haven't planned that far ahead. I haven't planned for what next week it looks like for me yet. Welcome to the life of uh, not having a 9 to 5. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah it's, it's a very fun time when people message me and they're like, are you free? And I'm like, currently. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean currently? I might have a job. I might not. What's up? <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to make time for people, but I'm also someone who does like eight different things, which means I'm always busy, but somehow free. I don't know. Life's interesting. I completely understand. You get it. Contract work. Yeah, contract work. It's a good time. I love it. It's, you know, what we do. Anyway, so back to Rocky Horror. Janet is scared, and Dr. Everett V. Scott is shocked. Janet runs into Rocky's arms. What the f***, Janet? You were sitting next to Brad! Yes, but one of those men is more muscular, and she takes comfort in him. She said earlier that she didn't like muscular men, and then in the middle of a song, she liked muscular men. I don't like Janet. I, like, I've been on this path multiple times, but god damn, I hate Janet. <laughs> the audience participation for that when she says um, that she doesn't like very men with too many muscles, the audience participation is just one big one. <laughs> That that's a good joke. That's a good joke. Oh, I am so glad that we have the E for explicit on for this podcast, cause uh. And she starts singing at the end too. I'm a muscle fan. She does. She does. That is the one line that she does get in that song, which is "I am a muscle man" or something along those lines. Fan. 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 That's what it is. I'm a muscle fan. No, no, no. I I personally think that Janet's a muscle man. I see it. Why not? <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we're changing the show. <laughs> <laughs> that would change it. So, Frankenfurter is upset with Rocky and then starts attacking Janet. Fair, I guess. Uh -huh. I don't know. He's jealous. And Brad yeah. starts pushing Dr. Everett V. Scott in his wheelchair and they go after them in the wrong direction. Short. Uh huh. And this way, this way. Yeah. The, they end up in the wrong direction, and uh, Riff Raff and Magenta are just laughing. They're just having a good time. They're just like, yeah, oh, yeah. I don't care. <laughs> so Frankenfurter starts to sing, telling Janet to wise up, and it's great because it's like it's time to wise up Janet Weiss is the lyric. Great <laughs> rhyming scheme right there by Richard O'Brien. I loved it. That, that song is fantastic. <laughs> lovely, lovely little flip rhyme over there from Richard. Well done. And we get back to the lab, and Frankenfurter flips the switch, and now Janet can't move her feet. Dr. Everett V. Scott can't move his wheels. 
and they are glued to the spot. And Frankenfurter tells them to quake with fear. And it is... Um, and Brad can't move his socks. <laughs> I can't move his socks? Yeah, if you, if you rewatch the movie, he's wearing socks. Which you would think he could possibly take off. But he, Look, he, everyone else is saying, my feet, I can't move my feet. My wheels, I can't move my wheels. And, and the audience participation is, my socks, I can't move my socks. Brad. That is fantastic audience participation. Look, Brad is just a simple soul. Brad, yeah. Brad's just a simple, kind soul. He, he's not the brightest, he's not the quickest, but, like, he's just kind. He's just kind. Yeah. That's, that's Brad. Uh, you know, just, just nothing, not, not a lot going on upstairs for Brad, but, you know, uh, we still love him. We still love him. Uh-huh. So... It's a mental mind fuck can be nice, is what Frankenfurter says. And it seems that Frankenfurter has perfected a device capable of breaking down solid matter and then projecting it through space. Who knows, perhaps even time itself. And so something they have also been working on for some time. So I was just like, okay, Dr. Everett V. Scott, you're trying to paint Frankenfurter as this terrible person, but at the same time, You've been trying to develop this technology. So, like, it's not like you're much better. He's just a better scientist than you. Or an alien <laughs> with advanced technology. Yeah, I, I, I still didn't know this. <laughs> so, Janet then asks if Frankenfurter will send them to another planet. I really should have picked up on all of these planet clues and alien yeah. clues. Yeah, I didn't. I, I I would like to say that I did. I I really did not. And then Frankenfurter is just absolutely amazing in this scene also, by the way. I mean, Tim Curry kills it in the whole movie, but this scene, something about it, I just wrote, Frankenfurter is amazing in this scene. Don't know what it was referring to, but, like, I guess the scene? He was good? Yay. <laughs> so, Brad calls him a hot dog. Not the best insult, Brad. Try a little harder. Frankenfurter, hot dog. Oh. Okay. I get it now. I don't like it, but I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I respect the bad of the joke. But, Uh yeah, we can still come up with a better insult. I feel like, let's see. Oof. I mean, it's hard to think of one on the spot, but hot dog... I mean, he could have just called him a wiener. <laughs> Look, it made you laugh. I feel like that's already a better insult. <laughs> As you said, Brad is this poor, sweet, innocent soul. Yeah. I'm just saying, that's, that's just me off the top of my head. That's not even like me trying very hard on coming up with the good insult. Right. Uh, but I feel like that's already better than hot dog. But anyway, Magenta flips the switch and it says Medusa. And I was like, okay, but nobody's stone. Sure. And then Medusa and then Magenta flips the switch again. They all turn into marble statues. And I was like, oh Medusa. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sure. 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 So yeah. Everyone's now a statue. Except for Frankenfurter. I don't know how he avoided it, because uh man was standing on the same floor that everyone else was on, but uh I guess he's okay. Yes. Maybe something genetically or something that stops him. I don't know. So he's the one in charge. He is the one in charge. 
Columbia, meanwhile, has had enough. And she says first she was spurned her for Eddie, and then Frankenfurter threw him off for Rocky. Says Frankenfurter just shoes up people, spits them out again. She loved him, and it's gotten her nothing. And I was like, hold on, you didn't love Frankenfurter, you loved Eddie. Stop lying to us. She loved Frankenfurter first. Sure. And then Eddie came along. That was never established. I'm just saying. It was never established that she loved Frankenfurter at any point in her Everyone life. Everyone loves Frankenfurter. And actually, if you go back and watch Time Warp and stuff, she's making eyes at Frank the whole time. Oh, okay. Maybe it was established and I just missed it. I mean, they sit down in the chair and he's like uncrossing his legs. She's, uh-huh. Wait, oh, but yeah. Frankenfurter's not in Time Warp. Not Time Warp. The When he comes down, when he first reveals himself. Sexual transvestite from Transylvania, that one? Yep. Yeah, okay. Sweet Transvestite is the name of the song. Sweet Transvestite. Sweet Transvestite. Lovely. So, she loved him. She's got nothing for it. And Frankenfurter is a sponge. She just takes, 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 and then drains the others of love and emotion. And Columbia says, choose between me and Rocky. And Rocky is named for the rocks on his head. And I was just like, I'm sorry. What have you done this entire movie for him to choose you over Rocky? Other than fawning over Eddie... And then the whole tap dance thing that happened in Time Warp, which, like, I guess happened, but also, like, I, I'm not gonna lie, I wasn't the most impressed by that tap dance. Like, it, yeah. Yeah, she did actually, uh, Little Nell did actually dance when she was a child, because she was sick with, like, hepatitis or something, and one way to get well was to dance. So she was a dancer and a swimmer. Okay. But I don't know about the tap. <laughs> I, I mean, look, I've seen better tap in uh, community theaters. Um, yeah, but it, the, the whole joke is that she's not very good. And, you know, eat your heart out, Ann Miller. Yeah. Ann Miller was a dancer. Hey, like, you know what? She killed the role. She did great. And if the whole point was to make the joke that, you know, she can dance, but like not really, then she nailed it. Very well done. Yeah. Great job. But yeah, Frankenfurter, annoyed. She turns her into a statue as well. Cool. Sounds good. So I made a prediction at this point of what I think is going to happen at the end of this film. And I was like, the statues are going to come back to life because Rocky feels bad for them. They will all work together and they will kill Frankenfurter, Magenta, and Riff Raff. We'll see how right I am. So Frankenfurter does seem sad and says it's not easy to have a good time. And then smiles and... You know, even smiling makes his face ache. And I was just like, did he just turn Rocky into a statue as well? Like, I was slightly confused, but I couldn't quite tell. It looked like he yes. turned Rocky. Yes, he he did. did. Okay, he did turn Rocky into yes. a statue too. Because he noticed he was still alive. He was like posing. He was like posing like he was a stone statue, but he, he was still, uh, you know, alive. Okay. Hey, I mean, props to Rocky for giving it a shot. He tried. He just didn't succeed. So, no. <laughs> his children then turn on him, and Rocky is behaving just like Eddie did, and he asks if he made a mistake spilling his brain between the two of them. And I was like, wait, what? Splitting his yeah, brain. splitting the brain. Splitting his brain. I'm sorry, you split Eddie's brain? Well, that explains a lot. Yep. 
Yeah, I was baffled by that. I didn't see that one coming at all. Uh, didn't think that we were about to be just splitting brains over here. Didn't know that was allowed. Magenta says that she's growing weary of this world and wants to return to Transylvania. And I was like, they're actually from there. And I was like, okay, they're vampires or something. That makes complete sense. Like, they're vampires. They just want to go back to Transylvania. Because that's what Transylvania is kind of, like, known for, I guess. Is, like, vampires. <laughs> and uh, transsexuals, apparently. So, Frankenfurter says that he is grateful for Magenta and Riff Raff. He's, they have served him well. And loyalty, like theirs, will be rewarded. And... When the mood takes him, he can be quite generous. Magenta doesn't want anything. She will receive that in abundance. And it is now time for the floor show. And I was like, what show? Everyone's a statue. <laughs> we then get back to the cigar man. And the cigar man says that the fate seemed to be decided that Brad and Janet should keep their appointment with Dr. Everett V. Scott. But in a situation that no one could foresee, a few hours after announcing their engagement, Brad and Janet have both tasted forbidden fruit. Proof that their host was a man with little morals and some persuasion. What further indignities were left to happen? And what floor show with an empty house in the middle of the night? I'm glad that the cigar man pointed out that every like, there's no show. Like, what's this show? What's happening? I'm glad he pointed that out. <laughs> Thank you. I feel I, mean, I feel heard. Frankenfurter is a showman, right? So uh, they they love the theater, and uh, it's a look salute to that. I had full faith. Every every show must have a floor show of some kind. I had full faith that he <laughs> was going to pull off this show. I was just baffled on how. So <laughs> it was, you know, let's see what diabolical plan has. Frankenfurter crazed imagination created now, and from what had gone on before, it was clear that this was not about to be a picnic. So I revised my prediction. And boy, is this one a doozy. So here we go. I said, okay. So the floor show is mainly just going to be Frankenfurter having the time of his life parading around and flaunting. And then the statues are going to get wheeled on and out during the show. Somehow they're controlled by a remote and spun around. However, the big surprise at the end is that Magenta and Riff Raff have actually had enough and want to go home. So instead, they trick Frankenfurter and manage to unfreeze the statues, who all attack Frankenfurter and kill him. I think Rocky will kill Frankenfurter. Brad will end up single, Janet will end up with Rocky, and Dr. Everett V. Scott will be sad that Eddie is dead, but will reveal that he actually does know things about aliens, and that Frankenfurter was one all along. Okay. Interesting. That's what I thought was gonna happen. Let's find out what happens with the floor show! So, uh, we'll take a break, and then we'll find out what's going on in the floor show. Hello everyone, welcome to the intermission. I hope you're all enjoying this episode. Uh, just a reminder, the next two weeks we are taking two weeks off from posting episodes and then we'll be back right after that with the new episodes where we will be discussing Goodwill Hunting. That's right, uh, we are heading off 
into the land to see what Robin Williams and Matt Damon and all of them can do together. I'm not fully sure, but we are going to find out together. So that's going to be the next film. But as I was mentioning, we are taking two weeks off so that everything is a smooth transition as we add video. Now, I also just wanted to let you all know that if you want to learn how to follow us and everything like that, be sure to follow us on social media at Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. There will be more information about the changes up onto there, but don't worry, you'll still be able to find the show through whatever podcast app you are currently using. And if you want to help out the show, it's a great way to help out the show is leave out a review on whatever podcast app you're using or talk about the show to friends and family. It really does help me out a lot and it really does help out the show. And thank you to everyone who has done this already and thank you to anyone who will do this in the future. But for now, before we finish, let us get back to the final little bit of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, the floor show, we start up, we have some more rock music. Frankenfurter is has all of his statues dressed up, and Columbia comes to life and starts singing about Muscle Man. Um, why is she just singing? And then the next one that starts singing is Brad, and then someone wakes up that I thought we hadn't met. I think it's Rocky. Uh, after a bit, I put together that it was Rocky, but at the start, I couldn't quite tell who it was. Um... Oh, because of his makeup. Because of and the stuff. makeup and everything, I couldn't yeah, quite tell who everyone wearing was. Wearing makeup and boas and corsets. Exactly. So and garter belts. It's a it's a fun time, that's for sure. So then, fun little doozy of information that Peter Hinwood, who played Rocky, uh-huh. um, was actually mostly a model in real life. He, uh, believe it or not, a model. Uh, <laughs> Wait, and, you're telling um, me that was, the very muscular man was a model in the 70s? Yes. Yes. Fascinating. And, <laughs> and Rocky Horror is like the only movie role he ever did because he's not an actor. It is not him singing. It is not him dancing in the in the um, faraway shots. Oh. So if you take a look at that scene, rewatch it, you'll see in the close-ups, he can barely kick at all. And then when you go far away and it's showing them all on the line, he's doing the kick with every, you know, kick line with everyone else. But Rocky, like Peter Hinwood, not kick very high. He was not a dancer or a singer or an actor. Fair. Fair. Fun facts. We learn. We learn here. So then Janet wakes up and starts singing. And this is when I had a question. Why are they all so complacent in this floor show? Why are they just like, all right, we're awake now. Let's just do this. Like, he just turned you all into well, statues. I, I think Frankenfurter is still pulling the string, as it were, as if he's a puppet master. He's pulling the strings here. And he's putting on this show with these people. It's like he's he's directed them, right? Because at the very beginning of the scene, he's going around and fixing people's makeup and fixing their hair as if he's sort of, you know, directing it and demeducitizing them so that they'll wake up and do this lovely song. Okay. Sure. In character. In character. So. Yeah. And the curtains then rise to a fanfare. And on the back, we see an ROK radio picture and then something that looks like the top of the Eiffel Tower. And Frankenfurter has emerged for his grand entrance 
of the stage show. The makeup, especially the blue eyeshadow, is just amazing on Tim Curry here. And those iconic red lips. And I just, again, thought that the makeup was fantastic. I loved it. I see that it's over the top, as we talked about in last week's episode. But, I don't know, I didn't personally have an issue with it. No, it's very appropriate, especially considering they're doing like a floor show in a theatrical setting. It's very appropriate to have that makeup like that. Definitely. So she says, get the song is pretty much saying, you know, give yourself over to pleasure, erotic nightmares beyond every measure. And I love how the red corset that he's wearing is uh, way too small for him. Fantastic costuming uh-huh. choice right there. And we see a lot of smoke. And now Frankenfurter is in a pool. And the bottom of the pool is the image of God touching Adam. I believe it's the same thing from Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. Yes, it is. Yes. But something that I thought was interesting is that when the water, and like it isn't clear and you can't see the bottom of the pool very well, the right side of the water kind of looks like a brain and the left side kind of looks like a very discombobulated brain. Um, Um, Well... That's interesting. I never noticed that. But the whole um, Sistine Chapel thing is, uh, it's a clue as to, like, God creating man or creating Adam. And so this is basically saying that Frankenfurter created Rocky. Yeah. And that goes hand in hand. Yeah. And the lyric that they're singing here is, don't dream it, be it. Which I, again, is just such a beautiful lyric. And a lot of people have tattoos that say that. Yeah, I can see why. It's it is a very, very beautiful lyric. So Yeah. Everyone then jumps in the pool and we see an orgy in the pool. That's where we're at. And somehow, by magic, the D Medusa switch. I like that they have a D Medusa switch, just in case you accidentally turn someone into stone that you didn't want to. Uh <laughs> it turns on and Everyone else who is alive goes off, and Dr. Everett V. Scott is now awake and says that he must get out of this trap. They must do it before the decadence zaps our wills, and that he has to be strong and try to hang on, or else my mind may well snap. Again, some great rhyming over there by Richard O'Brien. Fantastic rhyming. So, just like Dr. Everett V. Scott just like that, Dr. Everett V. Scott's legs now work. Uh, That's because Frank's pulling the strings here. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. So Frank is pulling his strings he's, as he's well. He's surprised too. Dr. Scott pulls up his blanket and is surprised too that his legs are right. working. Right. He has some very nice legs in some fishnet stockings and some beautiful heels. And yes. I also just put, put, put in a note here. Um. For someone who is in a wheelchair, he is incredibly flexible. <laughs> like, his leg is, like, above his head. And he is sitting uh-huh. in a wheelchair. Like, yeah, that's just impressive. <laughs> Didn't know we could get our legs up that high. Uh, I mean, like, I can't, but uh, I'm sure other people can. But uh, didn't expect that Dr. Everett V. Scott was going to be able to, that's for sure. Uh, Yeah. 
don't don't really know where that came from. And then the music just suddenly shifts. And we're now singing My My My? Is that the name of the song? By any chance? It's just a continuation of... Oh, it's just a continuation of the same song. Yeah, it goes from Rose Tint My World to uh, I'm Going Home. Okay, so yeah, it's just a continuation of the song. It's just probably a lull and then the music changes. Which makes sense because the vibe is kind of the same. It's still like this rock kind of song and, you know, everything. But they're singing why, why, My My My. It, so it's, sorry. Oh, no. It, there's like an A, B, C underneath. So it's, it's Rose Tint My World, Floor Show is first, Fanfare, Don't Dream It, and then Wild and Untamed Thing. Okay. And Wild and Untamed Thing is the my, my, my part. Yeah. The, the next lyric that I have is, we're wild and untamed thing. <laughs> so then in comes Riff Raff and Magenta looking wild like aliens. Again, I really should have put this together much faster than I put it together. <laughs> the clues were all there. <laughs> What is that weird gun he's holding? <laughs> yeah. That too. So they are saying that Frankenfurter, your mission was a failure. Your lifestyle is too extreme. And I was like, why does Riff Raff have a silver trident? <laughs> uh, Riff Raff says he is now the commander and Frankenfurter is his prisoner. And that they must return to Transylvania Prepare the transit beam. I was baffled. I'm like, what is happening? Because again, I didn't... I should have put together these are aliens. The clues were there. <laughs> I didn't pick up on a single one of them. So, then we get a full body shot. Not gonna lie. Riff Raff and Magenta are wearing like this silver black top. And it kind of reminds me of Kiss from some of the costumes that kiss would wear on stage with like the very pointy yeah. shoulders i mean it's that time period sure it's yeah. that time period and super cool costumes so if i do go and i will try my darndest i have a whole month of october to go to a live show i'm sure i can I make have, a day work <laughs> i have made i have made one of those in costumes before for in Ben magenta and what I used for it was uh, one of those, I don't know if they still make them, but it was like a, a foldable windshield, like for your car. Okay. To block the sun. But they made these, you know, silver and gold foil style with like, um, you know, something in between them, uh, like a layer in between them, foldable windshield protectors and uh and so i used one or two of those and i put them together and made this magenta costume that is amazing that is <laughs> put fantastic. a belt around it that is that is really cool if you have a photo of that i would love to if you're okay with it i'd love to share it with the yeah, viewers yeah. i know um, i have photos of the columbia costumes but i'm not sure i have a photo from that one because that was fair um a while ago before there were there were phones and cameras. You know what? Yeah, fair enough. I mean, <laughs> look, I grew up when, because I was born in late 90s. And so for me, like growing up, I like phones and disposable cameras and all of that were like still 
like I I was used to it and like everything. So it's I'm in that fun weird middle ground where it's like I'm not a millennial, but I'm also like not fully Gen Z. And it's like uh-huh. and it's kind of that weird thing where it's like I think technically based on when I was born, I am Gen Z. But at the same time, whenever everyone's like, hey, millennials, you remember this? I'm like, I remember that. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a fun, weird little time frame where like for like three, four years, we don't fully know what category we fall under. (laughs) I I understand, but I'm on the other end of the spectrum, earlier end of the spectrum between uh, Gen X and millennial. Yeah. I'm an ex-zennial. <laughs> You're an ex-zennial. I'm a, I'm a zennial, I guess. A Z-zennial. I, I have no idea. Um, it, right. But it, it's always fun when they're just like, only millennials remember this. And I'm like, well, technically no. But also, yes, I don't know. Anyway, Rocky Horror. That's what we're talking about. So, Frankenberger says, wait, he can explain. Whispers something to Columbia and Rocky. We don't hear what it is. It's inaudible. And a ballad starts to play. And Frankenfurter says that he, you know, sees the blue skies through his tears and his eyes. And Magenta just yawns. She doesn't care. She, she's just like, just finish this already. And Frankenfurter is going home. And the mascara and the eyeshadow is smearing. Uh, we see a bunch of people fill the empty seats that are in the hall, and I was like, are these all people that Frankenfurter has come across on his journey here on Earth? Like, maybe, we don't know. We're not sure who they yeah. are. We're never told who they are. Also- The audience participation references drugs, drug use, heavy drug use, and also um, you can just imagine that they're all in his imagination. Yeah, fair enough. But maybe he has come across them in his time on Earth. Yeah, I-, I... They- they're also, you might recognize some of them from the Transylvanians in Time Warp. Okay, I did have a question, though. Why are they all elderly people? <laughs> Literally every single one. There is no young person in that audience. Uh, maybe it's a comment on, you know, who's who the spectators are in live theater performances sometimes. I... I mean, look, I was at a theater show literally earlier today. Okay, well, that's not really fair because I was at a theater show earlier today. But because we had our recording session tonight, I went to the matinee show and all uh... of my friends are going to the evening show. So actually, they are currently sitting there watching the show. Yeah. But... Yeah. I think it's just all in his imagination. A lot of them play the Transylvanians in the the time warp, but there's also, you know, drug references that maybe he's on drugs. Yeah. And one of them looks suspiciously like the queen. Oh, I think I missed her, but, you know, it was very fun, speaking of the queen, because I lived, I was living here in London when she passed away, and everyone Mm -hmm. was asking me, they were like, oh, what was it like, you know, when the queen passed away? And I was like, well, I mean... We got one day off of work, but the job that I worked at that time, I already had Monday and Tuesdays off, and they gave us a Monday off, so I didn't even get a day off, and there was just a lot of traffic on the tubes. So, you know, like, obviously it's sad, like, you know, she was like this pillar and everything. Sure, but for people living in day-to-day life, you know, I didn't get the benefit of getting a day off because my job already had days off that day and i just had to deal with more traffic 
though, in a weird way. Mm. It was kind of a nuisance that she passed away. I wish she was still around. It would have been fun. Anyway. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to become like a, is that going to become a holiday for you guys? Like every year? Is it just going to be that one year when she passed? Well, because I think it's, day of mourning. I'm pretty sure it's been a year since she passed. When did she, I don't remember when she passed. One second, let me look it up. But I, because I, the job that I was working, I left about a year ago. Okay, yeah. So I think it's just the one day. Because, so we're recording this on okay. September 20th. And she passed away on September 8th. Which actually meant that, like, the morning day was probably, like, one or two days ago. I was working. <laughs> so, okay. I think it was just, like, the one day. I don't think... Because they don't do it for any of the other monarchs that have lived. Yeah, but I feel like she was a monarch for so long. I mean, she was so the longest reigning monarch. I think it was 72 yeah. years, if I'm not mistaken. Because... No, it was 70, right. 71, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Because uh -huh. I was here for her Silver Jubilee as well, which was like the big celebration of 70 years. And then she passed away, I believe, one year after that. So I think she was on the throne for 71 years. So like she is the longest reigning monarch in English history. But I don't, right. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to do that, but I don't think that they will but also at the same time we were talking about it of like she was kind of this pillar of the way that the world used to be and for i think almost like i think it was some crazy statistic that i saw that it was like for 98 or 98 and a half percent of people on earth she was the only queen that they knew yeah. Um, sorry, not 98, that's, uh, 89. I flipped the numbers. That's still a lot. That's a, Because that's a anyone that is 70 or younger only knew her as the queen. Right. They that's never crazy. experienced anyone else. And then they did the math and they were like, okay, so we'll go up to 76. Because really, like, no one has a huge recollection of stuff before they turn, like, five or six. They might have tidbits of information here and there, but not... Not, like, full memories. And so I think they said it was something, like, for people that are, like, 76 and younger, which is, like, you know, some obscene amount of the population on the Earth at that time, it's they only knew her as the queen. They've never experienced another monarch in their entire lives. Which is just... Something to be remembered. Yeah, yeah something to be remembered. Anyway, that's enough of the queen. Let's get Probably back to Rocky Horror. associated with the podcast about Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, again... I'll say this multiple times. If you don't want to hear us go on tangents, go watch the movie. It's significantly shorter. <laughs> so, where are we? We're going home. Elderly people. Lovely. I found myself in my notes. So, Frankenfurter sits on the front of the stage, and everywhere has been the same. Like, he's outside in the rain, and he feels a lot of pain. And... I think I noticed it more in this one than Sweet Transvestite. Tim Curry has a beautiful singing voice. Yes. Yeah, he actually uh, did a few, like in the 80s and stuff, he kind of did band things to where he was just a singer in addition to being an actor, but it wasn't like necessarily in a show. He he did sing professionally for a while. Yeah, I just, I, 
again, I knew him from Home Alone 2, so... Uh, <laughs> right, he doesn't sing in that one. He doesn't sing in that one. Um, if anything, he uh, screams in that one when he falls. So, <laughs> it's the closest we got. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I, I never... Like, I, I picked it up more, and I think you're able to pick it up more when it's not... When it's a ballad. I feel like you can usually just grasp it quicker on someone's singing voice not that you can't have a beautiful singing voice and be singing a very upbeat fun song you can it's just easier to tell like you know when you're holding notes for three measures you're like oh like that's you know you have that vocal ability you can hear the vibrato you can hear the resonance and all of that coming through so you know it definitely played yeah no he was factor perfectly yeah i mean i saw a thing of you know what are what's a movie role that can never be that shouldn't be touched that no one should touch again and two two of the most common ones that i saw were silence of the lambs uh hannibal lecter and tim curry in rocky horror picture show yeah like in the sense of like hey don't like no one can play it as well as him like people can play it extremely well but when you think of frankenfurter it is tim curry and you know it's not that other people can't play him it's just like it's he did such a good job that it's just iconic and it's him he originated he literally originated the role yeah so it's hard to go anywhere without him fair enough but they have you know that it gets done a lot on stage and then there's also there was the broadway revival and there was a made for tv movie that was done by fox a while ago wasn't it recent or something uh it was within the past there was like a recent revival too 10 or 15 years no no uh, I'm, i'm thinking of one much sooner uh one second 2016 where tim curry then played the criminologist apparently yeah. And Laverna Cox yeah. played Frankenfurter. Yeah, that's that's the Okay, that was a lot sooner than I thought it was, but um or a lot more recent than I thought it was. And you know, everyone does does fine in it, but uh But it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. And they they did that kind of because they um they they took a lot from the stage play or stage musical and it wasn't all just trying to be like the movie so they did it they did the version that was more like the stage show okay okay well maybe as a bonus episode i'll go watch that one we'll see i might not there you go. we'll find out depends on how much time i have anyway where are we <laughs> so he passes everyone that's in the audience everyone's asking uh, Frankenfurter for autographs, nobody gets one. And everyone is cheering. Columbia seems upset, realizes that this is the end. And Magenta, with not a care in the world, is just like, how sentimental. And the illusion is broken. And we're back to empty seats. Riff Raff points yeah, the she, trident. I was going to say the audience participation after she says how sentimental is you, bitch. <laughs> Look, it was a very sentimental song. She's a bitch. Well done, audience. So... Riff Raff then points the trident gun at Frankenfurter, and he says, well, when I said we were returning to Transylvania, he meant him and Magenta. Frankenfurter must remain here in spirit anyway. 
And Dr. Everett V. Scott lets us know that the Trident Gun is a laser. A laser capable of emitting a beam of pure antimatter. Brad asks if you're gonna kill him. What's his crime? And Dr. Everett V. Scott is like, well, you saw Eddie. Society must be protected. And I didn't like the whole society must be protected part. But, like, in Dr. Everett V. Scott's defense, he did kill Eddie. <laughs> Yes. Like, there is a crime. <laughs> yes. Now, the time has come to say goodbye to all of this. Riffraff just gestures vaguely. <laughs> and hello to Oblivion. Hello. Frankenfurter stands and faces it. We hear a scream. Riffraff turns and shoots Columbia. I guess Columbia. First one to scream gets right between the tits. Sorry? Audience participation. First one to scream gets it right between the tits. I mean, that is exactly where he hit her. Yes. So, <laughs> But if you're watching the movie in a movie theater, it's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so Frankenfurter is upset, but now also scared. He tries to climb up the curtain, but is shot by Riff Raff, and the curtain falls on him. And I was like, oh, that's poetic. The curtain has fall, fallen yeah. <laughs> on, on his life. Like, oh, done. Uh -huh. Rocky's very upset. Rocky is crying. He picks up Frankenfurter's limp body and starts to carry it away. Uh, Riff Raff starts shooting at Rocky, but the lasers seem to have no effect on him. And I was like, is this because he's just super muscular? Or, like, is it because of, like, he was made from antimatter or something? Or, like, what? why Why is Rocky not as affected by ev as everyone else is? Do you know? You, to answer that? you don't know. <laughs> All right, cool. Moving on. If any listeners know, shoot me a message. But, yeah, uh, I, I didn't know. I was just curious on if, other than movie magic... If there was, they didn't shoot him in any place that was too penetrable. Hey, uh, sure. I mean, he was really just hitting no, his shoulders shoulder. and backs. But he yeah. shot Frankenfurter in the back, and Frankenfurter went limp immediately. But you know, Frankenfurter ain't buff, so you know that muscle might have been doing something. I don't know. So he is a created man. He is so a created he's... man, and Rocky gets up on this Eiffel Tower thing, Amabob, and he climbs to the top of it. And then he is shot one more time, and it causes them to fall into the pool. Brad and Janet then come to the realization that Riff Raff has killed them. And I was like, you just came to this realization? How did you not know what was happening? They are the dumbest people in this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> How did you just realize that that is what is happening? <laughs> Magenta's also confused. She's like, I thought you liked him. And Riff Raff yells that they didn't like him. Nobody ever liked him. Which... Yeah, paranoid Riff. He's paranoid. I loved Riff Raff until he started killing everybody. But also... Beautifully delivered by Richard O'Brien. That... Yeah. Like, you could feel his pain when... You know, he delivers that line. And it's such a simple line of, they didn't like me. They never liked me. And just, you can hear the pain in his voice. And I just thought it was a very beautiful, you know, two lines from Richard O'Brien where he just nailed it. He, he's great in the whole film, but I want to I give him props when I see him. So Dr. Everett V. Scott then says that he did the right thing. And Riff Raff points the trident gun at Dr. Everett V. Scott. And Dr. Everett V. Scott is just like, whoa. You're okay by me. I don't have an issue yeah. with you. Riff Raff is sorry about his nephew, but Dr. Everett V. Scott says perhaps it was for the best. 
So I take back what I said earlier. Dr. Everett V. Scott is not a very loving uncle. <laughs> a loving uncle would not say that it might have been for the best that my nephew is dead. But you'll say anything if there's a laser pointed at your crotch. You know what? Fair enough. Like, I'll, I'll give that to him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Riff Raff says, leave now while possible. And they're about to beam the whole house back to the pansit. The planet of transsexual. And this is where I was like, oh. They are aliens. Also, that's not Transylvania. And then I hit play and they go to the galaxy of Transylvania. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. They are from Transylvania. So this is where I put together that they were aliens. You know, when they tell us that they're aliens. <laughs> you can't put it more blatant than that. Hey, I got it at the end. Yeah. They, they had to make it obvious for people like me who just like skipped over every single clue that they had given us. <laughs> It'll just be that much more fascinating when you watch it again. See, now I know. And, like, now I have yes. context for Time Warp, which is the one thing that I know about this film. But beforehand, now I know <laughs> the film. But, like, th now it's going to put so much more stuff into context, I feel like. Like, they're aliens. This is why they have this technology. This is why they can do all of this. But, yeah, I didn't put this together until they literally told us that they were aliens. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not feeling too great about myself right now uh, on that front. So Dr. Everett, V. Scott, Janet, and Brad all leave. We see Frankenfurter's limp body floating while Magenta laughs in the background. And I just thought it was a beautiful shot underwater of his body from underwater. Is, yeah. Just a beautiful shot. Great framework right there. And Riff Raff says that they will soon see the shores of their beautiful home planet. Magenta can't wait to go back. And I don't know why, but I was like, is Riff Raff going to kill her too? Is he going to end his sister's life? No, no, he's not. Um, I, I was just paranoid at this point. They love each other. Yeah. They say our world will do the time warp again. They have elbow sex. And Brad and Janet and Dr. Everett V. Scott escape from the house. The house blasts away into space. And we come back to the Cigar Man. And... He says, and the crawling on the planet's face, some insects called the human race, lost in time and lost in space and meaning. And the final shot. Okay. Oh. Well, uh, go ahead, but I've got some more information. Yeah. I was just going to say the final shot of the film is just a dark room where the globe that he has in the room is still lit. Forgot to turn your globe off. <laughs> is that the audience the participation? Audience. Lovely. It is, yes. But before that, after the, the house or the castle gets um, blasted up into space, there's a song that is cut out of some versions of the movie. What do you mean some versions? So if you go to a movie theater, you'll probably see it because they call it the UK version where they include the song Superheroes. Okay. And then if you watch it on like DVD or VHS, you know, what, if you watch it on other streaming services, sometimes they will cut that song out and that's called the US version where they cut out Superheroes. So Superheroes is another song that you need to listen to. Um, I guess so. Yeah, there's some fun 
audience participation during that one too in the movie. But if you go see it in the theater, they do usually play superheroes at the end. Okay. Yeah. So you'll you'll have to look forward to that one. Yeah, that's slightly annoying because I watched it on Disney Plus because that's where I found oh. it. And I'm in the UK, so I'm surprised that Disney Plus right. doesn't have, you know, the UK version for, I don't know, the UK? It is weird. I, that's why I was wondering which version you watch, but now I know you watch. Well, it's in the DVD anyway. It was referred to as the US version, not the UK one. Apparently, I watched the US version. Yeah. So Darn Disney. Darn Disney. Look, blame the mouse. They don't want to pay their writers and their actors, and they cut a beautiful song. I'm assuming it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Look, blame the mouse. That's un un Unless they decide to cast one of us, then uh, we love the mouse. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, blame the mouse until they're kind. But that's the end of the movie. I was... Yeah, I'm... I still don't really know how to feel about this movie. It was fun. I enjoyed it. But again, just the constant of it was I was confused on what was the plot. So now that you... Well, I mean, some of the audience participation joke is that the movie lacks a plot. But... <laughs> but there is... There is somewhat of a oh, storyline, and there is definitely some beautiful music and some great characters there. So I think that if you go back and rewatch it, and or if you go to a movie theater and watch it with all of the audience participation, because there's there's props, there's audience callbacks, there's people, you know, being a mirror cast in front of the screen, acting it all out for you. It's just a whole other environment. And I think that if you watch it in a movie theater, the way it's meant to be viewed nowadays with all that participation you would definitely get a different experience out of it. Yeah, I mean, I might just post in that Facebook group where I found my lovely guests for this episode and just be like, hey, who knows of a good one in London that I might be able to come see that's happening? Um, yeah. Because I would love to go with someone that I guess knows a bit of what's going on because it's really fun to go i think it's fun to go with someone who knows the audience participation of course i'm usually that person but it's fun to go with someone who knows it because you can hear everything that they're saying yeah back to the film whereas if the whole movie theater isn't on the same page and saying it then it it can get quite distracting because everyone's yelling out different things but there is a, a recording of an audience participation from like the 80s which the um the rocky horror uh fan club president Sal Piro was sort of managing this 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 theater not the theater itself but the the recording of it and so like they got Sal involved they got all these people together to come to the theater who knew the audience participation and they recorded it but when everyone knows what they're saying when they're saying it it's sort of this great ambient experience yeah um I, and there's a lot of modern you know that's the bit time you know obviously some of those sayings and uh responses might be a bit timed just from when they came out but nowadays you know if you go to a movie theater there's a lot of modern things there can be things taken from pop culture there's a lot that's taken from your area too there might be jokes specifically you know to london that might not be happening here in the u.s so you know and vice versa it's very politics awesome. and things like that Woo. yeah yeah i mean it's an open gamut really i mean yeah it's almost like uh the u.s and the uk are not the same place <laughs> Wild concept. But yeah, um, I always like to end 
the episode after I finish a film with some, you know, facts about the film. Just some statistics on how it did and things like that. So, it has a 7.4 out of 10 on IMDb. And a 79% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, fairly well received by critics and audiences. And it was made, as we said, on a very low budget. It was made with 1.4 million US dollars. That was its budget. Which is almost, like, that's almost unheard of nowadays if you're putting together a film. And I think it just slightly did well in the box office by uh, generating $226 million in box office revenue. Um, just slightly made back some money from their budget. Uh, just just barely, though. And over the years, when it came out, it wasn't like nominated for any awards or anything. But over the years, it has three wins on four different awards, according to IMDb. And as always, on the last episode of a film, listeners, I will leave the IMDb link down in the description so you can go check it out as well for more information if you want to learn more about this film. But yeah, that's the end of the film. I, like I said, I'm looking forward to trying to go to a... Uh, live showing of it here in October, which starts in ten days. Oh boy, October starts in ten days. Okay, that's a that's a different rabbit hole to jump into, which we don't have time for. But Abby, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for taking time yeah. out of your day to do these two episodes. It was destined to become a cult classic movie, so it's worth rewatching now that you've watched it. Yeah, at least I. Once. I do and I did enjoy it. I think like you told me when I first messaged you about it, you were like watch it once, but then you have to go watch it live because it's going to be different. And I I I feel that now where I feel like I'm going to enjoy this a lot more after seeing it live. So, yes. I'm looking forward Very to good. that. And thank you so much if listeners want to find you doing things out in the world, how can they do that? Is there anything you want to I mean, plug or anything? Um, I'm not sure what I'll be doing in October yet. I'm in a show right now, but it'll be over by then. This so. one, this one comes out in, on November first. So if you're doing anything in November, but uh, if, yeah, oh yeah, oh, I don't, I don't have November planned yet. Who knows? <laughs> Fair Just enough. Just look me up online. I don't know. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you so much for listening. And if you do have any shows coming up, let me know, and I'll make sure that the listeners. Find out so that if anyone is in the Nashville area, they might be able to come see you and celebrate your work. But thank you, listeners, so much for listening. Abby, thank you so much for being here. And until next time, which we are taking a two-week break from posting just so that we can get some logistics and everything sorted out. But when we return, we will also have a video option. Don't worry, you can still download just the audio if you would like to. You don't have to see our faces, but you have the option. But we will be taking two weeks off. But when we are back, we will have that. So until then, thank you all for listening, and I'll catch you all later. Hello, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Post Finale. Post Finale is created, hosted, and produced by me, Ankit Madeira. Her art is by Jared Rother. The music is by Ankit Madeira and Megan Hutcherson. And the episode was edited by Pranup Nair. Just a reminder, we are taking the next two weeks off from posting episodes for Post Finale as we add video to 
the show as well, but don't worry, you'll still be able to get just the audio if that's all you want and you don't want to see our faces, that's completely fine. We appreciate the continued support and thank you for understanding that we're just going to take two weeks off to make sure that everything's good on the back end before we get anything up and uploaded and things like that. But some changes are coming. If you want to learn more about these changes as we make them happen, probably next week, we will be announcing them on social media at Pod. Be sure to give us a follow and learn more about some of the changes and how you can find us on YouTube and things like that. So be sure to go follow us. And if you want to help support the show in a non-monetary way, you can do so. Help out the show by talking about us on social media at Pod, as I mentioned, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. But also just reach out to friends and family and word of mouth is a great way to help grow the show. And thank you to everyone who has done this in the past. Thank you to everyone who will do this in the future. It really, really does mean a lot. But thank you so much for tuning into this episode as we finished up Rocky Horror Picture Show. And be sure to tune in in two weeks' time on November 22nd when we start talking about Goodwill Hunting and figuring out what that movie's all about. And until then, I'll catch y'all later.